people tend to think the conscious mind and the subconscious mind work the same way. They are totally different entities. So right now, if I read a book or I listen to this recording, people tend to think, oh, I, I like what this person's saying, or I don't like this person, or I like what I'm reading. And they think that this can become a part of their behavior. They think that this will go in the subconscious. It does not. The conscious mind learns with this. The subconscious cannot learn like this. It can only learn in two primary ways. First, it's in hypnosis, alpha, theta, brainwave state. The second way, habituation, repeating it over and over and over and over, and then it becomes so part of you that the muscles just react automatically. Your subconscious is here to protect you, to guide you, and it is way more, extremely more powerful than your conscious mind. We only have so much capacity to be conscious and have willpower. And our subconscious, which is always active all day and all night, is here to protect us and guide us. Hi, and welcome to the Mindset and Performance Podcast. I'm Dries. I help athletes and business professionals with their career development. We work on a wide range of areas from psychology to strategy and execution, but we focus essentially on the mindset as it is the key to everything else. The whole idea behind this podcast is to deconstruct the habits that led people to their success, to learn from their experience and understand the psychology behind their actions and behaviors. And of course, to gain key insights that you can apply to your own life. How are you doing? I'm doing great today. Yeah? Yes. You seem, as always, every time I met you or talk to you, you seem quite often calm and grounded. <laughs> oh, thank you. Is this particularly uh, different because of the Vipassana that you went to? The, uh, yeah, the silent meditation retreat. The one I go to Tapabrata. Tap, what do you call it? Tapabrata. How, what what so, is that? Um, this system involves a type of vipassana, yeah. but it's focused around uh, primarily around the whole holistic human being where you're looking at enhancing your loving kindness as a basis of healing. And once you enhance a loving kindness from the chest, you can then go and move throughout your body to do, which is what vipassana does, to release the emotions and to sit with them and to observe them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So this is partly because of that, that I, I feel more grounded and more calm. But it also has to do with everyday training because you can go to as many retreats as you want every month, every year. But if you don't have the capacity to practice that in everyday life, in this mm -hmm. what we call the real world here, then, um, then you're not really in meditation. You're just so, going between worlds. So it, it's a silent uh, meditation. Yes. Like you're not, you're not communicating or interacting with anyone over no there. No phones, no reading, no writing, no talking. Why is it um, different and what makes it different from the, 
the word that I'm actually familiar with, the vipassana. Um, it's actually it's quite it's, it's it's the same in that sense. Um, where you're going uh, into the vipassana practice comes from Goenka. That's the most famous one, and he is quite famous around the world. They have a lot of centers where you can uh, join for donation. By donation, you pay. Tapabrata is led by a Balinese healer. Uh, named Pakmertada, it's been 25 years, and he incorporates Vipassana from Goenka as well, but also with the Buddhist text, um, old Balinese lontar, which are traditional texts that come from ancient times, Chinese knowledge, medical knowledge. And so he puts it all together so that you can have a more comprehensive understanding of your mind and your body. So you do train Vipassana, like in Vipassana, your mind, to go and observe what's happening in your body as a form of a healing um, but in his case, Pamrata adds in a lot of knowledge from his background. So he speaks he, at night. He, ah, yeah, right. At right. night. And so he comes and gives you knowledge at night and wisdom. So you understand maybe life better as well and why you are doing what you're doing and how to process that. Uh, and then when he's there on day three or four, uh, he does a consultation. So if you have an illness, he can help you understand where it's located in your body. So he can scan and he can give you that information. And then you can go train yourself to become a self-healer in your own body. What do you mean specifically here by illness? Are we talking about physical illness yes. or emotional or a, a bit of both? All. So oh. um, when I first went to it, I had no illness. Oh. And then he scans me and he tells me that I have to look at my bones. All right. um, and there's a anger element in there. You know, I don't know what to do with that at 21 year old. I didn't have no idea. Um, so, but at the same time, I had many friends personally. I can tell you, I know them. Uh, they had lupus, for example. In case you don't know what lupus is, but lupus is not—you cannot medically treat that. And they've managed to overcome that with this meditation. People who cannot get pregnant medically, they all are fine. They got the the check mark from the doctor. Physically, male, female, they should be good to go, but they can't get pregnant. And so what happens here is that you learn to understand that the uh, your body is not just a physical. You also have the meridian body. Whether we believe in this or not, it still exists. Mm -hmm. The chakra body, whether we want to believe in this or not, it still has an effect. So emotions in our prob and, um, uh, and trauma tends to be lodged into our meridian. It can also affect the chakra, but then if it gets too intense, it comes out in the physical. So he helps you identify in which body it's located. Um, so sometimes the issue is actually in meridian most of the time. So you have to go into the meridian body and clean it yourself with your own mind. The idea is the lighter your mind and the clearer your mind, the, he the healthier your body is. Right. That's a, this makes make sense. I haven't tried it myself. I have been tempted to do something similar. Uh, I have heard a lot of good things about it, but also heard that it's quite intense, yeah. as in having to be sitting there, not talking to anyone for days and hours. Um, I'm always a little bit concerned, yeah. but I think this is an excuse for my lower back to be sitting all the time. You know, like in, in a yoga class for one hour, when you sit, sit for the first 10 minutes for meditation, we cross like, it feels painful. So I don't know how I'm going to be able to do it for hours. <laughs> I totally understand. Um, at Bayou Sada, they're very flexible. So if you have a back pain, which a lot of people have, they ask you to sit in the back on a chair. Oh. And so you, they're very flexible um, on that point. But, you know, you can see people start like that and then they end up sitting on the floor. The, the first uh, TB1, Taparbrata 1, you do 45 minutes. And most people show up, they've never meditated. So it's painful. And I'm not going to, to, to even downplay it. It is hard. It takes effort and commitment. But there is still a reason why I, I would say after 25 years of doing this, there's still a wait list for people to get in autoimmune cancer. I mean, I also know people who had stage four cancer um, and they were given six months to live and they're still alive. And I know them personally of two years now. And this was one of the major reasons why. So you, they, they help you get comfortable. You have lots of pillows around you. And I can tell you first three days, you're not happy. But you see, why is this pain so strong in my knee? And then bam, it's gone. Mm. And it's suddenly it's in your right hip. And you're like, well, this is so strange. You start to observe how it moves and how it's not permanent. And mm. here you start to see nothing is permanent, even this pain. And suddenly you can start to heal just by noticing that. Right, right. So would someone need something? Uh, I mean, what kind of intensity um, of pain or struggle would, need, would someone need to be in in order for him to go and seek such a... Uh, 
an intense experience. Mm. Yeah. Uh, there is no, I wouldn't say you need to be in intense pain. Again, I went because I was, ex- I was always interested in the mind. So I had none. And then you have people who are near death, people who are dying and who want to die peacefully. So mm. you have the whole spectrum there. Right. Yeah, okay. And you have people from all walks of life, people mm. who've never meditated. You do have monks. You do have um, yeah, noble physicists, doctors, uh, DJs, designers, models, you know, the whole, right. the whole nine yards. It's for all humans, yeah. Ten days. This one is seven days, the seven. first level. Then if you want to go deeper and you travel through your different bodies and you literally, this sounds very abstract and strange, I know, but you, he, he teaches you to go into your liver, into your intestines, into your teeth. Sounds very, very strange, um, but you get so sharp that you can actually go and travel inside. It's like a, a journey in your body. Um, and then the next level after that is, yeah, you, you really focus on concentration. It's a, it's a visualization, like when you say going through these no, places, you visualize is, yourself going there? No, you yeah. feel it. You feel it. You are actually in your teeth. And it's mm. a very strange thing to, to express because when I first heard it, I was like, what, what does this mean? What do you mean? You go mm. in your teeth. Yeah. But you feel the hardness of your teeth. Uh, so you're focused just like right now if I feel my fingers touching each other but I can go into my teeth and feel the hardness uh-huh. and maybe the um, the smoothness with yeah it's, it's hard and rough you know it's very specific it's sharp mm. so okay the benefits could be being calm and grounded like you are yeah <laughs> <laughs> what else like clarity you mentioned clarity healing health in healing emotionally and physically Uh, health in general like, health. W- like feeling healthier That's yes what I mean. yeah yes so you yeah. see people come out um overcoming uh medical issues they couldn't before like you know lupus is, or autoimmune diseases um cancer but also as a uh, everyday maintenance because every day we are all under stress whether we recognize it or not we are under stress it's unfortunate in this modern world the demands everything our food's not as good nutritionally and so we have to cope with so many more challenges um and so maintaining this every single day allows us to clean let's say the bucket you know or the mm. backpack full of rocks that builds up right you know and he said this that hurts me i'm suffering here So if you can practice this every day, it actually helps to maintain a lighter backpack of life. Mm. What do you mean like here by practicing this every day? Like you um, use the same techniques and tools on on a regular basis. Like you don't yes. have to go every time to a seven days or 10 days meditation and retreat, but rather keep those tools to sustain yes. um, a longer pro- prolonged effect yes. from that. All right, yes, you and you can take it home and practice it. And so that becomes a part of you, you know. Oh. But of course everyone does it their own way some people go once and they're happy and they can maintain it some people like i go every year for mm. just my own work but also to sharpen my mind yeah i see well, a friend of a friend she is doing that every uh every two months yeah uh, she's doing one after one uh every two months or every month i think even like 10 days and then 20 and then 10 and 20 and 10 and 20 okay wow this sounds really intriguing my i might book myself something like that in the beginning of uh, 2020 <laughs> let me know because i will let there we know um, i need I'll to book a, ahead right absolutely there's already a five people wait list for january and the next one i believe is april it's only because i work closely with them with my clients that's mm. why i know the schedule but i don't get paid to promote them i have mm. nothing to do with that yeah it's just but it's share my number one yeah, yeah i would say that if there's any one thing i could From what I know, it's available in Bali. Mm. I would say this would be it. If there's only one thing you have to invest into, time and money, go here. This one. Because you want to be self-sufficient in your healing. You want right. to know how to do it. You don't want to always need people. Right, right. Like self-reliance. Yeah, that's yeah. also the base of my practice. Okay, well, let's speak then about work since you mentioned work now. How about hypnotherapy? Mm. You're a hypnotherapist. Like that's how you introduce yourself to people. I'm a hypnotherapist or I'm a healer. No, or hypnotherapist. <laughs> hypnotherapist. Hypnotherapist for sure. Because yeah. um, that's already out there. Healer is even more out there. Yeah. And so if people already have a tendency to not be so open, uh-huh. um, yeah, hypnotherapy is more understand. Like they can understand what that means on some level. But yeah, hypnotherapist. But yeah. but uh, the um, your practice is called Maya healing. Yeah. Maja so, healing, yeah. Okay, so you are a hypnotherapist. Can you explain a little bit about what it is? I know people know what it is, kind of, kind of. I yes, think kind yes. of because there is some stigma around Absolutely. it sometimes, uh, with you know ticking the clock, tick tack, tick tack in front of your eyes, and you sleep and you lose consciousness completely. And um, yeah, when I said uh, when I shared that I have had some sessions with you, um, people were like, oh, really? Well, how was it? You yeah. know. 
and they're curious to know about it and i don't know really how to explain it to them really clearly and now hopefully they are listening and um knowing more about it also um the client uh, that i bring in to my practice and uh, work with you together with him in the first uh, time we connect he's like oh really oh wow it's like they, it's seen a little bit sometimes from at least the group the people that i know that's being something uh, extreme not extreme maybe yeah. extreme is Out not there. the right word but yeah. yeah so yes where do you start from well, can you explain a little we bit can just it? start with the basis of what yeah. hypnosis is hypnosis actually just is just being in relaxation yeah. if you want to categorize this in the scientific way you mm-hmm. can observe it by being in the alpha theta brainwave state you mm-hmm. can see this in your eegs mm-hmm. this is nothing out there we all go into hypnosis no matter what at very minimum two times a day to hundreds of times really when you're going to sleep you're mm-hmm. going to go down into theta and into delta delta brainwave is when you're in sleep Mm. Now, when you finish a very intense meeting, you know, you have a meeting and you go out and you're going to start to think about the meeting, you are in hypnosis. You are in alpha. Mm. If you are going home after a very late night, you know, you are working all day, you already know your way home. You get on the bike or the car and you, when you get in and you get home, you park and you just kind of shock yourself. You're like, whoa, I don't even remember this drive home. I just like, kind of went on autopilot. You zoned out a little bit. This is yeah. when you're in theta. Mm. This is when your subconscious is taking over. Mm-hmm. Your subconscious is here to protect you, to guide you. And it is way more, extremely more powerful than your conscious mind. We only have so much capacity to be conscious and have willpower. Mm. And our subconscious, which is always active all day and all night is here to protect us and guide us so when we're tapped out after that long day our subconscious knows the way home we've done it a hundred times it will even react faster when it sees the in bali chicken crossing the road or the the good dog in the middle it will react faster by breaking than our conscious mind this also is the case with let's say feelings we feel something in the subconscious the body before we recognize it sometimes you can see that so when we're in hypnosis this is very normal state the number one stigma, you lose all control and that I'm the one who's going to control absolutely everything that you do. This is more for stage hypnotism. When I'm here to entertain the people or something like that, I don't practice this in any way. The kind of uh, hypnotherapy or hypnosis I do is for therapeutic purposes. The one I have found for me the most uh, practical and also efficient is to work with the client just in the hypnosis state. What this means they are totally conscious. In fact, most clients, when they come, they close their eyes, they still think they're conscious. They really still think, I'm not in hypnosis. This doesn't feel like I'm in hypnosis. I still have, I'm aware. I'm aware of what I'm saying. I'm aware of the sounds and all of this. Um, it's only at the end, usually, or when they tap into the memory and it's the root cause of where their issue comes from and the feeling comes up, it's only then they say, okay, I am not really conscious, or when they open their eyes. That's when they know. So, but I'm sorry, not controlling want, yeah. in any way. At any mm-hmm. point, you can open your eyes and walk out. I've never had anyone do that. And <laughs> s- how many years now? Over six years. Um, but yeah, you only yeah. It's it's really people don't realize until they get to the root cause or until they open their eyes and they see how much time has gone by. You said root cause and you said issues. Yeah. Um, so people need to have some sort of problem that they need to solve or resolve to come Ideally. to you. Yeah. Ideally, yeah. yeah. Uh, people can do it for exploratory, exploratory, exploratory purposes. Mm-hmm. However, um, I don't take those clients anymore, primarily because there are too many people who are needing um, maybe to achieve, to, to, to reduce their something. suffering. Yeah. yeah, And that's more important at, in my practice, especially if they're pregnant mothers or they're about to give birth, because you have a lot happening at birth that can imprint the client for the rest of their life. Um, and if they're parents, they always get priority because they're having a child that they're going to impact. So those are my list of how I work through them. So if they want to explore, you can. And some people want to explore where the issue comes from or go to a past life um, just to explore. Yeah. But I, I really suggest if you're going to use that time and also spend some money, use it to at least do something so that you can elevate yourself, you know, evolve to the next level. And that's usually by dropping those unnecessary and unprocessed emotions. Let's say, for example, somebody, uh, an entrepreneur, right? And uh, he's in the phase of his life where he's growing, but um, not necessarily having facing challenges, but like he wants to do it right. He wants to have more clarity and so on. Like, yes, can he use hypnotherapy? 
not yes. necessarily with you, but like hypnotherapy can help him. Yes. How? So um, he can yeah. use, there's two types, Hypno hypnosis, we can have the audio recording. Mm -hmm. So he provides some positive suggestions or imprints and you have to listen to this. You sh I, I shouldn't say you have to, but it's best if you listen to this about, I would say 21 days to 30 days because we're, uh, hypnosis, when you want to learn something new in the subconscious, people tend to think the conscious mind and the subconscious mind work the same way. They are totally different entities. So right now, if I read a book or I listen to this recording, people tend to think, oh, I, I like what this person's saying, or I don't like this person, or I like what I'm reading. And they think that this can become a part of their behavior. They think that this will go in the subconscious. It does not. The conscious mind learns with this. The subconscious cannot learn like this. It can only learn in two primary ways. First, it's in hypnosis, alpha, theta, brainwave state. Remember, up until the age of seven, we are in hypnosis. So we are absorbing absolutely everything. And at this age below the age of seven, eight, we don't have the capacity to have um, what we call a critical filter or the ability to say, I don't accept or I accept. We just download. So hypnosis is the first way. The second way, habituation, repeating it over and over and over and over. And then it becomes so part of you that the muscles just react automatically, like professional golfers or anything like that. So if you want to, uh, as an entrepreneur, or I work with trading platforms and they want to enhance their output, or let's just say their um, how, how well they're doing, we can create a custom audio and you can download them online. I mean, other hypnotherapists, there are many of many of them online. And so you provide a positive suggestion to your subconscious. You listen to this several times um, if you want in a day or every night over the span of 21 days minimum. And you really listen to it like a meditation, a guided meditation. The other way is to very much observe and aware, where do I tend to sabotage whatever I'm doing? It can be, for example, because we're talking just now about traders, um, some professional traders who are just excellent. They make, they, they are, maybe I have to say, like they're very happy with what they're doing, but they see I'm not taking as much risk as I used to. I'm risk averse. At this point, they can detect I can buy more, but they just resist, you know, and they know this feeling is not part of them. So if they know this or in a relationship, why is it that every time my partner walks out, I get jealous? I know he's not doing anything, but I just I just feel concerned that he's not going to come back or whatnot. Or why do I get so angry that I cannot control my temper and my to my child? These are all the kinds of things where I see I cannot control this consciously. That's where you go to hypnotherapy, and you can use that to go deeper. Mm. So uh, it get me a little bit. Um, I, I understand what you're saying, but it made me think of um, uh, you know recently a couple of last years, people have been talking about conscious living, conscious doing, conscious everything. But it seems like what we do consciously, if I correct me if I understood it wrong, um, it's not as important as the things we do unconsciously, the subconscious. Subconscious is much more powerful. So is it is the goal from doing things consciously is to code things to the unconscious, to bring them from conscious to unconscious to subconscious? Is that the goal? What, this is which really state interesting. shall we be in actually? Um, the from my understanding, of yeah. course, you, we want to line up the conscious with the subconscious. Mm -hmm. So uh, for this is a very, very simple example. I'm rich or I'm abundant, you know, consciously. I, I know this. I'm thinking this. I'm thinking this. But of course, mm -hmm. underneath subconscious, I have no worth or I'm poor. The subconscious will always take over. We want to line it up so that if I want to feel rich and be rich, and my conscious mind directs me to go to the right interviews or whatever that may be to get the job, then my subconscious can deliver it. This is the ideal state where your conscious willpower has the capacity to direct the rest of your energy. Now, if we do not have the right programs or blocks or imprints, whatever you want to call them, or beliefs, and most of us do not know the beliefs we actually have, we, th we think we know ourselves, but across the board, most people get very surprised at what they touch into and the root cause. The more we release that, the more um, space and power your conscious mind has to move. So why am I always angry? Or let's just say I don't want to be so selfish. 
consciously, I know I should be more giving, but I cannot help it. If you touch this, I get angry and I grab my food back. Perhaps that's a good, a simple example. But then if I can, the ideal state to be in is that I want to be selfish or unselfish. I can then decide in this moment, I want to be selfish or unselfish and my body can follow. I don't want to be angry, but there will be times perhaps where you need to be angry because a boundary was crossed. Um, so consciously, you have to, at least my understanding, you have to have that space to be either one or. If you cannot have a space to go left or right or whatever way you want to go and the body keeps on going another way or the mind subconscious goes another way, then we have an issue. Mm. So you have people who know, I know I should do this. And I know, I, I know all the information, but I'm not showing up. That's the subconscious. Subconscious that's holding back. Mm. Yeah. And it's not, you cannot talk to the subconscious and say, get with it. That's mm. conscious. You can teach it things through the conscious actions and If you and do repetition. it repeated yeah. over and over. Yeah. But most of us are too stressed. Mm. We, our willpower is not that strong. Mm. Okay, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to stop smoking. That's another one. Right. I'm going to stop smoking. I know it's not good for me. Mm. No, it's not good for me. Attitude is I'm not going to smoke. Mm. It's bad for me. So, of course, the behavior is I don't smoke. Mm. Of course, willpower is there. Three days and then you get stressed. Right. Or you get hungry. Or as a woman, we have low blood sugar. We cannot produce serotonin. We get stressed. The subconscious kicks in. And right. the subconscious program, from whatever reason it may be, the mother smoke, the father smoke, or ads, um, I go for a cigarette. Right. And that's three days usually is when you see people crash. Mm. So how much of this is uh, science backed up? How much of it is Eastern philosophy and approach? And yeah, I have a lot of questions coming in at the same time. So I also wanted to ask, uh, maybe we can pin that one. Um, because to me personally, I think, yeah, I will just go for hypnosis. But there are also people who would uh, prefer to do longer extended um, sessions of, let's say, psychotherapy and talk to someone. If we can explain the differences in why, who should go to hypnotherapy and who should go to psychotherapy for for longer extended period, who should go even to medication, that would be also very helpful. So how much of it is Eastern, how much of it is, is scientific? Mm. Actually, it's very difficult. It depends which part you want to talk about. Mm. For example, if I'm dealing with a client who has high stress and anxiety, um, you, we have to look at the context of the individual and what has happened to them. We know scientifically that no child is born as a blank slate. What happens in the womb of the mother has already shaped the child. You see this with studies where 9-11 happened. The mother had a higher level of um, baseline of cortisol. Babies were born. Yet, even though everything was okay at that time, the mothers were safe, they're feeling good, the babies maintained a higher level of cortisol compared to other. So this means that they're going to be viewing the world, their perception, via this biologically, um, sorry, scientifically uh, observable state of cortisol levels. So they're likely to be sweaty, palms, you know, feeling that more, maybe feeling more agitated. So you have the ways you can, and there's a lot of science now, uh, medical doctors coming out with this. Dr. Gabor Mate is one of them, where he links emotions to the cancer. He's a medical doctor, and Bruce Lipton's a very famous one. My um, favorite. Yeah. Um, and when, for example, when he came out with his uh, book, uh, maybe, yeah, 15, whatever years ago, it broke ground because nobody would say these things. Dr. Gabor Mate is another one of them, looking at addiction, looking at the context of early childhood. Now, most of the root causes I end up going back to because of maybe the clients I see, they tend to go to early childhood. And that's where a lot of our formation takes place. And we end up operating out of this mindset or also this structure, this reality. And it's unfortunate, but it's It really does lock us there. So unless we do diligent work all the time, we tend to just operate out of subconscious. It worked for our parents, so it will work for us. That's usually this animal part of us that says we're going to absorb information. In the case of the woman uh, who's carrying a baby and 9-11 happens, the child is learning. It's a stressful environment outside. I must prepare myself. And if you're in, in a high-stress mode, you are more alert, more hyper-aware, more sensitive. And that's what you end up developing as. I mean, you can see this scientifically. Mm. You can also see the, the, the brain developments and how that changes. Yeah, there's a lot of science to it. Then again, how much is Eastern philosophy? 
funny enough you say that because there's a lot more science now that is showing how valid Eastern philosophy is. There's, I mean, everything from Stanford has a whole department uh, focused on pain management with hypnosis. Dr. David Spiegel is one guy who's just phenomenal. And he, you can see in the amygdala what changes when you work with hypnosis um, with patients who experience pain and how it reduces. It's this phenomenal stuff, and you can see it. So there is an actual shift. And they can't, nobody in the medical field can agree what is hypnosis. Altered state? Is it alpha, theta? Is it, so they can't really agree on that, but they know that there's an effect that's happening inside the brain. And you can see that. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, so who would benefit most of this? Depends what you, but across the board, all humans, mm. the only ones in the terms, in the way I practice it, because mm. everybody has their own way, um, is going to be very difficult to do this with someone who is a um, psychopath, because we're talking about feelings. A lot of the traumas and the unresolved issues that pop up as an adult come from trapped feelings and emotions as a child or at a time of trauma. Mm. Psychopath uh, just have they cannot feel in the same way, um, and so they can think they feel, but they don't feel in the same way. For you can see that if they look at a scene of a horrific accident or something, they don't even sweat. There's no reaction, you know. So this wouldn't work for a psychopath. Um, but across the board, it can be for fertility. It can be for anxiety. Uh, sports, sports people. Yeah, athletes. I work. I work with. I also work with pro snowboarders who are in Olympics. Um, actually, two. Uh, of them, uh, race car drivers, um, yeah, golfers, mm, yeah, right. across the board. Hey guys, if you're listening, sign up, keep, keep going. <laughs> yeah, so sports is uh. another one. Um, because if you know how, t this is really, like if you're a race car driver, you have barely a split of a second, you don't even calculate it, you have to be able to see who's coming, where, when can I change gears. This is so... You cannot do this consciously. You will have lost your opportunity. And this calculation has to be done so smoothly and fluidly and quickly. This is subconscious. So we remove any blocks that may be there. Even trading, you know. Mm. When someone's trading and they have to sell, this is their exit. You will see people have fear or greed kick in. Why is that fear there? And it can come from the pressure of having failed as a child and the father was disappointed with them. Remove that. Mm. If it's greed, because they feel they have to take care of their family and they have too many pressures, we remove that. So when they sell, they sell and they're clean and they're feeling good. Mm. So yeah, so this is where we remove the little things that can actually have a very big impact. Mm. Uh, through, when you say remove, like a session, two sessions, a couple of sessions, continuous treatment, is the treatment the right word? Yeah, um, oh yeah, or therapy. Um, mm. But... <laughs> Actually, this is, I prefer not the extended, you have to come back forever and ever and uh. ever to see me. I've been against that, which is why I didn't f end up becoming a uh, psychiatrist or a psychologist. I did do a degree in psychology and I decided not to go that way because of that. I didn't feel it was comprehensive enough and I do not believe we need to go on forever and ever to overcome something like anxiety or depression. Um, so in the case of the clients I see, Generally, I would say be prepared for two sessions because the first session, if you've never had a, a hypnotherapy, you're already a bit apprehensive. You don't know what's going to come up. The second session, you know, and people tend to go deeper. Um, so if you're coming in for anxiety, of course, there's a spectrum of it. But generally, people feel a reduction after one session enough that they, I don't see them again. The ones that I do see for over 10 sessions is because they have, we really, they love what we're doing and they come back every year or every six months to address a new topic. Um, mm, different so, topics, they're not totally. necessarily the same topic over no, and over. No, yeah. Very rarely do oh. I work with anyone more than, actually more than two, three sessions. Mm, right. Yeah. If you know how something works, it's just like a car. You can really easily work with it. Okay. So what makes the difference, what's the difference between uh, psychotherapy and hypnosis? Like, I, I know the difference, but why would someone choose one practice and the other one? Um, every, okay, just on the therapy itself, uh. everybody has their own way of practicing. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, we're also practicing in the way I do psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. We're just doing it with the, in, with the eyes closed in hypnosis. Mm -hmm. So um, hypnosis would be char characterized by having your eyes closed and you're more in your um, imagination. 
in your feelings. Mm -hmm. Psychotherapy is can be like that because there are some psychotherapists who practice like this too. So it's not the it's, it's a gray area. You before, you can't really separate that. You know, though cognitive behavior therapy is very different. Cognitive behavior therapy is when you observe your thoughts and you change your thoughts patterns. And so hypnosis, we're very different from that. It works very well together, but um, we, that would be more distinct of a difference, where psychotherapy can move into hypnosis. And what we do in hypnotherapy, at least in my practice and the people I work with, does also pass over into psychotherapy. So why would I uh, choose some 10 sessions with uh, uh, in psychotherapy if I can have quote-unquote short shortcut with doing two sessions of hypnotherapy that's yeah that's a good question um if the if the like so if the therapist is a professional in providing let's say complex ptsd which i i focus a lot on but if they're um wanting to provide sessions that are going to be more conscious based work like let's say Uh, different steps to take when you get into this that's that would be why you would want to do that mm. you want to be able to have conscious knowledge a lot of that focused i would say go with that mm. if you want to do subconscious work in two three sessions and you are not you are not so aware of the changes but you can feel the changes after and you're okay to trust that i would say come for hypnotherapy right you would really only i would this is why i tell all my clients only go for a hypnotherapy session if there's an issue that you cannot overcome with your conscious mind. So go learn the information, conscious, whatever that may be. And then if you really can't get over it, then you know you got to come to hypnotherapy into the subconscious. Can it be combined with other practices? Absolutely. Such as? Um, we, I work a lot with counselors who work in the shadow, you know, in the shadow work to um, fertility, uh, uh, fertility therapists or medical doctors you know i also work with doctors so any kind of treatments like that uh it can also be cognitive behavior therapy family constellation anything that brings up a part of you that you cannot move through that you cannot resolve that you cannot quite understand why it's there right right so in a personal level what do you enjoy about um what you do about your work and I why love i love seeing how in awe people are when they discover parts of themselves they never knew existed. They are, I love this moment. When they first, it, it's not so comfortable all the time for them, but then they realize, wow, I actually know myself better now. So when they discover why they are doing what they're doing today, they cannot understand why they react like this or they cannot understand where this comes from. And when they connect the dots and with a conscious mind still there, remember, it's still there the whole time, and they see, this is why I'm doing that. Wow. That clarity there, you also gain a lot of wisdom. You also understand life. And when I see that this person is a mother or a partner or whatever, they're going to go home and they're going to bring this, not consciously having to remember the wisdom. It becomes a part of them. It ripples out. So whenever somebody yeah, walks out or we follow up and they can say, you know, my mind is more uh, calm. I don't have so many voices. Or I can wake up and breathe again. I mean, this to me, I love, I love, it keeps me going. Mm, this, this, very uh, gratifying, I think. Very, uh. very. And I think no matter how many times, still, it still fuels me every single time. Because some clients are harder. Mm. But when they get to that point, it's so fulfilling. So fulfilling. And I know this for my own work too. Why am I doing this? And you find out and you, it's just gone. Mm. When you find out and you correctly identify it, and you can correctly release it, this liberating feeling that comes... This is it. Does it get challenging sometimes for you? Oh, yes. Yes, Does. of course. Uh, uh, you, you, you don't take more than a session or two per day, right? Or yes, like I that. now no longer take more than two. I used to take uh. three, <clears throat> but now I only take one uh, or two. Actually. And they are long, like three hours. Yes. So it's a very demanding kind of uh, Yes, job. but you know, like anything we do all the time, we become, we, we know how to work with it. At the beginning, it was very taxing, mm. but uh, I also wanted to do it. Ideally, we don't have to see somebody Uh, you know, for 10 sessions, if we can do it properly, totally and fully, and there's space to do it in three hours, usually that's a good time frame. Because if I say, okay, it's one hour session, and you were just getting somewhere, okay, time's up. This feeling, you cannot, you cannot plan healing. You cannot control healing. So giving it time and space, three hours is fantastic because at some point somebody has to go to the toilet 
for example. But generally after two and a half hours and three hours, the mind gets tired and they're ready to close up. We've already done a lot of good work. Mm. And how did you get into it in the first place? You said you were studying something different, not different, but like, you know, in the same field, mm. but you chose hypnotherapy. Yeah, I have always that? been yeah. fascinated by why we are who we are. Uh -huh. So why is this happening to this person? And uh, growing up around the world, you see the cultural context and the languages and how that creates someone's reality. I lived in Tokyo for 10 years and before that was Nairobi and after that was Jakarta. The languages are so different. And the way they view time, the way they view healing, the way they view relationships, the way they view their self. Like in Japan, it's a very collectivistic approach to life. So my personality depends on who's around. I will become more generous or loving depending or, or more submissive on who's around. In the Western, which is when I went to the American school, for example, or the French school, you are you no matter who's around. So if I want to be angry... I'm angry and I'm an angry person no matter who's around. Whereas in the Asian culture, you push that down and you allow another one come up. So to what extent I am who I am, if I'm a mixture of all of this, and then that means well, where am I? So I've always been fascinated with that. Um, then I ended up going into um, psychology. And it's when you can observe, this is what happens and this is the output. Or for example, if you stimulate this part of the brain, the temporal lobe, you will have an experience that is quite close to feeling like the son of God. Well, that's really interesting. So if this part of the brain does this, and I maybe have seizures in this part, then that would create a reality. You know? And so you have a lot of doctors who do this. And this is fascinating. But then I saw that to continue in the field of psychology and psychiatry, because at this point I didn't know which way I would go, um, I still did not understand because I grew up in the in the east as well in Tokyo and Jakarta why we had to go into a system that demanded you to come back over and over and over and over and over um, when in the east we have a different understanding of time we have a different understanding of healing of of the body of the mind so in my so I didn't I graduated and I did not go into um, into that I didn't do my master's Uh, and, and, then, and this is what you always wanted to do? Like when you say, absolutely I not. was always interested in that, like, are you talking here about when you were a teenager, when you were early 20s? Or? Always interested in the mind and the body. Uh, uh. But did I ever know I was going to be a hypnotherapist uh. and I would have my own healing office? Not at all. Z not at all. <laughs> I did hypnotherapy for my own healing. I was like, oh, this is, so, let's do a class, you know? And so my partner at the time said, let's take this hypnotherapy class. I said, let's do it. I, have, I, have, I had a year off. I decided to take a year off. Let's do it. Zero intention hmm. at all to What have What were you practice. planning to do then? I had an um, import-export company. Oh, wow. With uh, providing uh, luxury hotels with, uh, yeah, all the interior. And so I took a year off. I had, could take a break and did it. I was already, already doing meditation. I was already doing, I had already been expanding. I want to always expand my mind. And she said, let's do it. So we did it. And it completely blew my mind. And I just, this is so quick. How quick is like to address this topic, that topic, this topic? So then a few days later, my friends, when I graduated and had my certificate, they say, hey, can you help me with this? You know, I keep on having this fear of starting this business. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, I did it for free, of course. And my sister asked and then my father asked. And then, of course, you just do it. And at one point, I actually had this a three-hour session, you know. I had no more time to do other work and to even just go to the beach. I said, okay, I think I have to start charging because... Um, it's taking up a lot of my time. Never did I even plan to have a practice then. Mm. And it literally grew totally organically. <laughs> no business plan, nothing. Right. What kind of skills do you think you have transferred from the past career to this one? From the import-export? Yeah. Structure. Uh. Because uh, when you're doing releasing and feeling in, 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 in this kind of uh, realm, you can sometimes get lost because it can be a lot of, it's not so black and white. Whereas if you have practice and uh, know that you have time, for example, or you have this is your goal, so or what you have to deliver, you keep on point. This is by far, I think, something that 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 really helped structure. Right, and uh, was there anybody that influenced this um, this journey of yours? Influenced you right now? I mean, uh, when you were a kid, you were looking up to someone, or you had a mentor when you learned about hypnotherapy. Who influenced you the most, would you say? It may be even in parents, I don't know. Yeah, um, both of my parents always challenged our belief. I'd n <laughs> never once... What were, did they say? For example, 
um, my father would always ask me, well, how do you actually know that? It was never just, okay, that's great. No, it's, well, who are you? And I say, I'm Kartika. No, that's your name. So he would challenge and not allow me to, uh, he'd ask me to suspend belief because he always believed that, he, he always believed, he always um, felt that once you have belief, you stop growing. So I believe the earth is round. Okay, you can accept that, but then you will never go further. So he always challenged, and this was actually very hard to grow up with. It was very hard. Never could we feel secure and concrete in what I thought I knew. Challenged. I would want to do bio. I did biotechnology for some time, and I wanted to go there. Well, why? You know, and then I'd say, well, because I'm interested. No, why? And so you have to go in. So this kind of practice started from, from my father. And my mom was always adamant that we, ha we would be balanced in terms of physical sports, nutrition, and of course, um, spirituality. So we were always exposed to these things. This is, of course, my parents were a big part of that. But since then, I have to say I have a multitude of teachers in all the realms, from um, psychology, like from my cultural psychology professors, who have deeply, deeply shaped my understanding of uh, who we are based on our culture and language, to uh, the energy of the body. I have many uh, teachers with that, mind mentors. So I can contact them and say, hey, this is what's happening. What does that mean? And when does this start? You know, and oh, you mean you're still contacting them right now, uh, these days? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, most of them, yes. Mm, so absolutely. learning never stops, right? Never. Mm. And it's, it's wonderful, yeah, it's wonderful because we always understand, oh, that, that I did not know. And now I better understand why this client needs to do this, you know, or that. Right, right, I see. And so how do you organize your day to be, uh, I mean, structure, I believe when you were saying structure, within, inside the work when you're actually yes. practicing, so to be very focused and structured, but also structured, through the days, like managing clients, managing your yeah. meetings and everything, right? Yeah. So how do you organize your day to be efficient, both from like a work perspective, but also from energy perspective, like keeping your energy in place and yeah, mm. what do you do? Um, uh, maybe you practice this as well, but starting the week, I put in all the things. Now I do this after learning the hard way. I start every week with all the things I need to do for myself first. Because I have the, I, I tend to forget. I do everything that I have to do, and I forget. Okay, I need to maintain my body, my mind, and my energy, and that will include going to the gym. <laughs> that will make that that becomes a block in my schedule, and everything goes around that. If I don't do that, I will always take more clients, and I will always take more, uh, you know, participate in more things. So first, that goes in. Um, the things that I know, I will always kind of put second. So I put that in first. Um, those things that will help me maintain a balanced, harmonious state. Mm -hmm. Once I know that's in, now because of the way my practice is and it's it's it's, it's going well, I schedule my clients around that right because then i will never deliver the best version of me and in that moment we have one i always act like we have one chance so i try to do everything to be prepared for that one session so, so what drains your energy the most if we can just talk about that quickly um not the sessions not the, the sessions. sessions do not mm. because we're working together and it's they already there sitting there ready to let go mm. and so they allow me to work with them what drains me the most is unfortunately when we're speaking in every day with friends or any family and they are adamant they want to stay in the state that they want to stay in and there's no moving past that and this is for me draining because of the work i do i'm like well we, we can maybe go this way and mm. they don't want to move so this i see my frustration that drains me mm. um when we are not doing all that we can to overcome an issue that's actually quite easy to overcome when we choose we don't consciously always choose it but we choose to stay in the state <laughs> and then so how do you recharge i mean you mentioned like doing your own practices like the gym yeah. and the yoga and everything meditation and believe as yes. well being structured Every morning. but is there any any specific thing you do i don't know by the end of the day or by the end of the week that actually recharges you or what can that be depends on what i need that week uh. depends on the kind of clients that came that week if they're quite heavy clients uh. i will need to go and move my body dance or something like that mm. But um, n no matter what, in the morning, I will need to meditate, but I will also need to do some type of breath work. Oh, because right. when we're breathing in, we do activate and ex enhance our chi. And the mm. chi is going to be what helps me uh, keep on moving and give me energy and stamina. This is also my best defense, um, maybe you're aware or not, but it helps me to, to manage my coherence in my heart field. And the heart is something that I, we work 
everybody works with, but we don't realize how powerful it is. And there's a lot of information on this, science on this from the Heart Math Institute, um, but I would recommend if you're interested in that, go look at it because the amount of information that comes out of your energy field, which we all detect, so right now you and me, we're sitting within a meter or so of each other, you are, whether you realize it or not, detecting my heart field. And your central nervous system is changing based on mine. So if I'm sitting in your field and I'm your therapist and I'm incoherent, I'm agitated, I'm anxious, you're going to detect that mm. subconsciously, unconsciously. So I do need to do this for myself. So I feel more coherent when I go and merge with the world and pick up everyone's energy. And we all do it. Mm. Um, plants do it. They, can, they will change um, how much uh, water they put out based on who's coming by and how co coherent they are. You can observe this. This is not uh, energy. This is observable. Um, but... Um, yeah, and so I do this practice every day for myself to maintain that and then to work with clients. So that keeps me. Yeah, I totally agree with you with that because I think also we have quite similar practice with breath work, meditation, visualization also in the morning and starting with the gym or surfing yeah. or something like that Yeah, to recharge, to be, yes. to be available for ourselves and the people we love and also our clients and deliver. And you actually also uh, work from different places, like remotely as well, right? Like you do yeah. sessions in Skype. Um, how does it work when it comes to this, what you just described now with energies and everything? Does it go also remote? Does it go yes. also over yes. the so, line? Um, yeah. um, when we go into hypnosis, the deeper you go, and you will be going in there, whether we consciously realize it or not, you go into a field that uh. we're all tapped into. Now, even now, this is where you, I, I train myself, but you, anybody can do it. You train to go into that field and you go to the client wherever they are. So you help, whether I'm here and the person is in Norway, I see where they are, I see their face over Skype. And even if we turn off the video, I now know where I can send my energy there in a way that we can be more connected. I can pick up more understanding of them. But whether I can do this or not, if they go into hypnosis, they will go deeper into a state where they will go into this field that we are all connected into. Mm. There's a portion of the hypnotherapy I carry out where it's a lot like gestalt therapy and uh, you go into the other person's body. I do think it's nine out of 10 will say, I had no idea how different that would feel. Consciously, I'll be like, yeah, okay, this person feels angry. But if I go into hypnosis and I go into their body, imagine going in their body, they actually experience a very different reality. And you're, this is what we're saying about going into this field that we're all connected into, whether we want to accept that or not. And, and I didn't before. I didn't think it existed. So over Skype, we can still do that because we are still connected anyways as humans. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, what do you think right now? I mean, are you satisfied by the level of accomplishment that you have created? Uh, you consider, do you consider yourself successful? Yeah, yeah? I do. Okay, it's yeah. out, one out of ten. What, what's the score there? Like, Oh, there's always going to be. I, I have the mentality that uh, there's always more. So I would always uh, say eight. Eight. Like eight because there's always two more things like I mean two more levels of like full accomplishment but considering all that I can do and all that I'm doing I'm yeah. feel very happy well how would a, a nine and a half or even ten look like what what would be different than now that's a good question um probably I would be able to have more courses and work with more new hypnotherapists not so that my therapy can get out there more so that uh, because the courses are about tapping into your own healing and if i could activate that and more people could go out and do um help activate that part of them and they can go out use their own power to help the other people i would feel like i could mm. we could do more so what what else are you working on like did you set goals for 2020 hmm. did, did you approach yeah. the like i'm wondering also how is your approach with that like we'll see what's going to happen or rather let's plan everything and <laughs> set some goals and you know it's so funny uh, you bring that up because uh, when i was in a uh, psychology degree and i hadn't really tapped into the subconscious and all the power in there I had four-year plans. I had 10-year plans. And I had these 15... It was, it was crazy. And now there's such an ebb and flow, you know, of not too much pull, not too much push. So I leave space um, for what can happen, but I still have my eye on what I'd like to get done. Next year, there are two, uh, actually two in terms of the healing world. There's the hypnotherapy courses I'm giving because I want to be able to really just nail that to the level that... Um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that. 
And then the number two is the retreats that we're doing with Maja Healing. Uh, Maja Healing also came out totally on, like, we did not plan that. I did not plan. I just opened a little office for myself so I can practice. Because if you do this kind of work, you go there every day. You sit in the same chair every day. And I'm looking at the same wall every day. Different client. But, you know, you got to stimulate yourself and get enthusiasm. So I created this little room for myself. And then uh, more healers joined. So I didn't create a, a center at all. And it became one. And I started to see the kinds of people that came in, the healers and the therapists, we all work holistically. So I'm working through the mind, but we are tapping into the body and healing the body and the energy body. Um, some of them in there are doing strict body work, but they are tapping into memories and feelings and the meridian body. So it's all holistic. And then suddenly I started saying, okay, well, this client, he can move through the levels of anger or, or whatever that may be, or autoimmune, but he can go faster if he goes sees this therapist next door into my office and so we started to have a holistic approach and then suddenly Maja Healing became a holistic center where you have different approaches to overcoming things and that's the retreat we're looking at. I'm really interested in bringing this to people who would never be exposed to it. I love this for people who are like a lot of my clients only see me because you're my last resort. I don't want to do hypnotherapy mm -hmm. um, and nothing else has helped. And that's the people I love because then they really see, okay, now I have a different understanding of who I am and what my body and my mind is made of. And, um, and people who would never really venture this way. So we work with corporate, corporate uh, like, well, different companies, and we do a pre-burnout. So mind, body, and um, energy. And what I mean by mind is hypnotherapy. And then what I mean by body is, for example, sitting at a computer every day, we know it's not good for us and we do not take the breaks. And so what happens bit by bit, we start to build up the tension in our necks, in our shoulders, the blood flow decreases over time. It's just inevitable. And so um, holistic approaching to, to, to breaking that down in the body, you would see how people change. They don't have headaches anymore and they're so amazed by it, but it's not something miraculous, including what we do in hypnotherapy. It's just knowing how to work with the body and the mind. Right, right. That makes total sense. So like you're planning to do retreats, courses. But it has to be holistic, yeah. Holistic, holistic as in mind, mind body, body, and, and soul, and energy, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, you also give uh, classes right now, like uh, meditation classes sometimes? I help lead them, yes. Yeah, help yes, them. I help lead them for people who want to start going into it, yeah. yeah so I saw some pictures in this Aseni. Yeah. You know, like you were sitting there giving yeah. a class. Also, I saw in your social media um, some um, trainings or workshops, something like that, like some pictures passed there and there, were, there was like a paperboard in the back and there were some young people in the front yeah what was that yeah. about i um i so sometimes the yoga right. retreats will bring me in uh or corporate uh um companies when they do retreats they call me in to under to help expand on what the mind is mm. since we don't get taught we don't get taught as a child well where's your mind you know what is your mind what w is your mind yeah yeah right. like, is it where where is it in your brain because it's not you can see this in cases where, you know, there's brain issues or accidents. The mind is still there. The mind is sensing, you know, understanding. Um, is a mind in the body? Is it the spirit? Or what is it, you know? And so I don't go into too much of energetics with certain people, but I, I, it's when we start to ask, well, which part of you is the mind? And where are your feelings and memories stored? So if it's stored in the mind and it's something out there, then why is your body reflecting the memory of this pain or this trauma? And so why is it that when we release this feeling like loneliness or helplessness, which is very common in cancer, helplessness and anger, you feel that in your body. So when people start to question well, who they are and who am I and why is that there? And that, that's why I have that colon pain. Oh, that's why this right e ringing in my ear, tinnitus is always happening. And they start to understand this is why I am going through this. This feeling of liberation starts to, oh, I can put it together now. Mm. Can we can we develop also a little more about the, the emotions when they are stored in the body? Yes. Uh -huh. So um, uh, when we are going through something in our life, and we don't have the chance to express it, to release it, or we don't have this, uh, we're not guided to release it as children, what we end up doing is suppress it and store it. 
This is a survival tactic. We got to do this. But usually if the parents are very stressed and the environment is stressed, we end up suppressing and storing too much. And so our um, it gets stored someplace. Let's just say in the mind. Can be different from one person to another. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, if you look at Chinese medicine and uh, acupuncture, uh, primarily, they some organs tend to have more association with certain feelings and emotions. But what I have come to understand, which now I understand in the with all my teachers and their knowledge, um, emotions and memories and traumas tend to be stored in the meridian body which is what we do with acupuncture. Again, not all acupuncturists are the same. So many people do sessions with acupuncture like it didn't work. You have to see which therapist you're going to. Um, but yeah, so the meridian, the memories and the feelings are stored in the meridian body. Now, if I have, let's say, anger, and I'm storing that in my liver, which is the most common place, but it'll also be stored in my colon, it'll also be stored in my, let's say, ov ovaries, what will happen is that every time I encounter something every day and I'm stressed and I get angry, it gets and more intense and bigger and bigger and bigger. And at one point, I will have to release it. It becomes just too heavy for the mind and body to carry, and so the body will release it, or I will have a burnout, or I will become, um, um, it just depends. It depends mm. on the genetics, it depends on the food, it depends on what's happening around, um, and then it will rupture at that point. And of course, we don't want that. If we can proactively keep on cleaning ourselves and healing ourselves, so as soon as something comes up, let's find out what it's coming from, release it. You're already going to release it from the meridian body. And the meridian body is where the chi moves. Okay, so how to release this, these feelings? First of all, like how to even identify those feelings? Like we're not, we never taught how to identify those feelings. Most of us don't know how the names to give them. We only know the basic, like, I don't know, sad, anger, frustrated when i ask my clients sometimes how are you today or how are you feeling today we only get the answer of good or sad so where, where to start from like the whole think about feelings identifying them releasing them how to release them when it's become alarming what's your yeah. what's your point about all that um so in the session because uh, oh, in everyday life too. But in the session, when you can identify exactly what you're feeling, you will find that the feeling will pass. Now, emotion is a name for the feeling. The feeling is the awareness inside of your body where it's located. So someone will come and say, I'm anxious. And I'll say, okay, where are you feeling that in the chest? The feeling in the chest is not just anxiety. It's also perhaps frustration. There's also perhaps abandonment, betrayal, something else. So the feelings are like an amalgamation of all the emotions, but it's coming up in the body. Now, if we find out and we ask in a structured way, what are you feeling in your chest? And they'll say, um, frustrated, good. And in hypnosis, the channel is open in the conscious mind so it can move out. We, we do this by breathing, we do this by talking. But you'll find with anger, for example, I'm angry. I'm angry because she did whatever she did. It will not move and it will be until you identify because anger is an umbrella term that can it's not always but it can be it has many other raw feelings underneath like i'm vulnerable it's not angry it's actually vulnerable i feel vulnerable when you identify it's that then suddenly they feel the pressure and the feeling in their body loosen up you ask where specifically in the body you always. feel it and then yes they start Yes, the away. reason why, and you can do this by yourself. You're sitting and you're not feeling good. Something is not right. You mm. feel uncomfortable. First, find out where you're feeling in the body. Mm. Why? Your body will never lie. You cannot lie with first, the body. First, identify where, it's, where it is located in the body or first identify what is the umbrella? No, first identify where it's located in the body. Uh -huh. I feel uh, tension in my right foot. I feel uh, tightness in my stomach. I feel tingling, you know, like very hot tingling. I don't know. That can be something that maybe if you're uh, sensitive to it in my right hand. And that's usually adrenaline, for example, mm. these kinds of things. But you identify where it is. And if you can, go, go into a calmer state of mind, breathing, meditation, and play around with it. Very light, never heavy, never focused, never intense, letting it be there. And slowly, if you are able to stay with it, most people can, you can start to break it down into the feelings. And you can say, this is tension. And you can see if it moves or not. If it moves, that means that it is tension. Um, and if it doesn't move, okay, it's not tension, it's irritation. And you'll find if you call, if I ask the client, is this frustration? They're like, no. Is this anger? No. Is this irritation? Yeah. <laughs> and then bam, it's moving out. It leaves. Mm. So feelings need to move. 
They do not want to stay stagnant, and that's just trapped energy. So as soon as you have the right identification from the conscious mind, that's it. That's what it is. It will leave. Um, so if we can train ourselves to better identify what we're feeling, not only do I feel happier and healthier because I know what's going on inside of me and what's happening with the world, I can know what's happening in my relationships, whether it's with my friends, clients, parents, children, whatever that may be. Significant other. Of course. Yeah. Um, so identification of feeling starts to break everything down and feelings will always move always want to move they always want to pass right well this is a, a really 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 nice input i hope um, a lot of people have been taking notes if you haven't been taking notes just please rewind a little bit and listen to it one more time because this can be helpful in many levels many ways uh, whether you're an athlete business person or just regular person who wants to deal with self and relationships and so on Kartika, this was really nice having you. And Thank uh, you, Such yeah, a pleasure. Uh, we'll be sharing uh, links from the, the the books you mentioned, the people you refer to, um, all the tips, and also, of course, Maya or Maja. How do you Maja. call it? Maja. Yeah. I would have thought it was Maya. No, Helene. people can call her Maya too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Links also to your social media, and please keep us up to date with the retreats and the courses and the classes. I would like to join myself, some of mm. them. So, is there anything else would you like to add before we conclude? Oh. No, thank you very much, Driss. Well, thank you very much, and talk to you soon. Bye bye. Bye bye. That was fun. That's it for today's conversation. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the key insights that we shared on this podcast interview. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button if you didn't subscribe yet and head to my website, thebodyandmindcoach.com slash blog to find exclusive articles about various personal and professional development topics. And finally, if you are an athlete or a business professional who's looking for help to advance your career and navigate through whatever challenges that you may be facing to win your game, or if you are a corporate organization who would like to offer their team a workplace well-being workshop, or if you are a sports team who's looking at unlocking their full potential, go to my website, thebodyandmindcoach.com, scroll to the bottom and hit the contact button and reach out. Thank you and enjoy your day.